Welcome to The Gathering Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. This morning we're going to continue our series looking at the two trees. And as you can see, we have a couple of props up here today. And and last week we talked about the creation story found in Genesis chapter 1. And we looked specifically at verses 1 through 18 where God spoke the universe into motion. And when he spoke the universe into motion, we see that he did it very intentionally and very clearly. And one of the things that he did, and it's really laid out for us, is that he brought separation between that which was light and that which was dark, that which was above and that which was beneath. He brought separation between that which was eternal and that which was finite. And because of that, what we see here is that God has given us a choice. That not just in the garden was there a choice between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but that we have a choice in our lives as well. And not only do we have a choice, but we have to recognize that there is a right choice. And most importantly, we have to understand that we have been empowered to make the right choice. It's not just that we get to choose, it's that we have been given the ability to choose that which is life, that which is right, that which is above and above that which is beneath. And so when we recognize this, we have to realize that our choice really matters. The things that we choose, the reasons why we choose them, they really do matter. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to go back to this choice We're going to look at why Adam and Eve made this choice in the first place, why they chose the lesser over the greater, and then where I want to end today is by looking at the seed that comes out of the fruit that we choose to eat from. There's a lot of significance in the verses that speak about the seed in the fruit and bearing more fruit based off of the seed within. And so I want to look at that again here today, but let's start in Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you shall not eat from the tree of the garden, from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Now in these couple of verses... We do see that there is some reasoning going on behind why Eve made the choice. We know that the the serpent comes and he says, well, really, the reason why God doesn't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is because he knows that when you do this, you're going to get everything you ever wanted. You're going to have the ability to be in control. You're going to be the one who has wisdom to be like God. And it says that when Eve looked at the tree... When she looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she saw the fruit and she saw that it was desirable. There was something about it that drew drew her to it. There was something about it that, that she saw that said, I want this thing. And also she recognized that in it was the thing that she thought she was missing. 
Now, this is not the message here today, but I always think it's important to point out that the only reason why we ever go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is because we have made a judgment that there is something we do not have from what God is giving us, and so we have to turn and we have to get something in our own strength and our own ability. There is always a judgment that precedes the choice to choose the tree that is lesser instead of the tree that is greater. So she looks at it. She saw that it was good. It was a delight to the eyes. It was desirable to make one wise. Now she uses this as her criteria to make this decision. But I have to ask a question. What, or rather who, is missing from this equation? Isn't it amazing that Adam and Eve are in the midst of paradise? Like when we look at these stories, we look at this account, we have to place ourselves there to to really fully understand what's going on. Uh, Imagine that you're Adam or you're Eve and you're in the garden and all you have ever known is that God has created you, designed you, he has loved you, he has provided for you, he's given you everything you could ever need. And yet in the midst of this moment, there is a desire that is presented to you. And do we see how quickly Eve takes the understanding of who God is and places him to the side? I want to suggest today that every one of us knows what that's like. That we can somehow take the God of all the universe and to put him in this little box and to place him off to the side because we think that we know better. Because we think that there's something that we need and if we have that thing, well then I'm truly going to be happy. I know we all know what this feels like on one level or another to say, well, well, maybe God is okay with this thing or, or I'm just not going to think about him or, or what happens in culture is we make excuses and say, I'm sure he's good with it as long as I'm happy. Really? We've taken the greatest power in all of the universe and we've just decided that he's going to be good with whatever we decide to do? No big deal. But, but this is what we do. We, we place him in a box. We, we limit his ability. And it's not that we could ever actually limit his ability, but we limit his ability in our lives. We choose. We have a choice from that which is greater and that which is lesser, and, and we choose that which is lesser. And this is what Eve does. This is what Adam does. And the results, well, they're devastating. Not just for them, but for all of humanity. You see, we do this a lot, whether we know that we're doing it consciously or not. And so what I want to do is take the time to recognize the places in our life where we do exactly that. But first, I want to look at the results of this decision. We know that when Eve and Adam, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that sin comes into the world because there was disobedience, right? And that, without question, would have to be the greatest in terms of of power and effect that took place. It was a terrible thing because sin now entered the world and and the world now had stepped into this place of constant decay. It it had disconnected from God. But there is more than than just sin. As, As bad as that was, there was more to it than just that. You see, when they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we read in verses 7 through 8 of chapter 3, It says, then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed together fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife 
hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I can't think of anything really more devastating than what is relayed and what's told to us in in this story in that not only did they make the mistake of eating from the wrong tree and, and they entered into a place of disobedience and sin, but then they covered themselves over and it says that they hid themselves from the presence of God. The one who was ultimate in his love and his grace and his mercy. And yet shame caused them to go and to hide away from the presence of God. This word presence in the Hebrew is the word face. It means that when they sinned and they felt the shame of their brokenness and what they had done wrong, that they actually hid themselves away from the face of God. You see, sin was incredibly devastating, but now there was not just sin that entered into the world. There was this place of disconnect from the God who loved them, from the God who knew them, from the God who who desired to be with them. He created them for a purpose, and now they are hiding away from him. And this is what sin will always do in our lives. Sin will present itself one way, but it will always result in shame, brokenness, and disconnection. You see, in this moment, they realized what they had done. They realized that their pursuit of wisdom and understanding like this is what they were going after they wanted more wisdom and understanding and what ended up happening is that they ended up turning their face away from the one with ultimate wisdom and understanding this tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is always going to present itself as the answer but it's never actually going to be able to deliver on its promises because it's a counterfeit truth It will say, if you have more of this thing, well, then you're finally going to be happy. If you have more money, if you have more success, if you have more popularity, if you have more beauty, if you have finally get this relationship that you've been going after, if finally I can find a husband or a wife or or whatever it's promising, it's then that you're going to find happiness. Guess what? Unless the happiness comes from God as the source of your life, whatever that tree has to offer is always going to fail and fail in comparison to who God is and what he has for you. But so often, we keep going back to it. Why? There's something about it that's appealing. There's something about it that looks good. There's something about it that in our flesh and in our emotions seems to make more sense because, well, we can put our hands on this. It's more tangible. This requires faith. That requires just working a little harder. We'll always go back to it, but that's the problem is that we will never actually find fulfillment. Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 through 13. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said to the man, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is that that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. See, the truth comes out. God shows up on the scene. 
He speaks to each one of them. He speaks to the serpent, says from this time forth, you're going to crawl on your belly. He actually, in this moment, as we've talked about in the past, he speaks this prophetic word. He says that you're going to bruise the heel of the offspring, but then he is going to crush your head, speaking about Jesus. He then speaks to the woman and he says, well, because of this, you're going to now have pain in childbirth, that that it's not going to be a pleasant experience, that you're going to have to really work at this. And I have a theory as to why this is. We'll get back to this in a moment. But then he turns to Adam and he says, Adam, you had it all. You had everything you could ever need. You had everything supplied for you, but now you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to toil. You're going to have to to work for your survival. You had everything you needed, but now things are going to be different. You see, these are all devastating consequences of their decision of, of what they had done. But there was something even greater that I want to look at here this morning, something that to me is even more impactful. We continue on in verse 22, and it says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and live forever. You see, God, when he points out the problem and he says to, to those who are with him, right? To whether it's the, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, if it's to all of heaven, he says, look, we, we have to look at what's going on here. And what he doesn't point to is the sin. As, as, as impactful as that was, he points to the fact that now man and woman, they, they, are, they know like us. They have the knowledge of good and evil. And, and this is the problem. Now, when I read this story, I, I have to ask the question, why is that the problem? Doesn't it sound like a good thing to know the difference between good and evil? Didn't God say that we're going to create man in our own image and our likeness? Doesn't this all seem like it would be a very good thing for man to be able to make the choices that need to be made? It does on the surface. But the problem is, is that in making that choice, they violated the intention and the original intention of God as the creator for the creation. They violated the order and in their uh, their limited or in their, their, their kind of broken understanding, they made the decision to remove God from the throne of their hearts and to put themselves there in its place so that no longer would it be God that would dictate what is right and wrong, but it would now be them in their own understanding. It was a violation of creation because God had designed it to be that man and woman, his creation, would reflect him perfectly to the world around them. But now they have placed themselves in the throne and in the place of making the decisions. Can I tell you once again that we do this every time that we go and we go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, Let me just say this again. It's not that the knowledge or, or wisdom is a bad thing. We're not supposed to be idiots. Like, we're supposed to, to desire wisdom. We read the book of Proverbs. Go after wisdom as if it's like a fine jewel. Like, like you need wisdom. But what is the source of the wisdom? It's God. And if the source of the wisdom is anything else, it's always going to lead us in circles back to the things that can't produce life. See, the issue that they find that, that God points to is that they now know good and evil. And now, 
if they eat from the tree of life, what's going to happen? They're going to live forever. But here's the problem. They would be living forever in the lesser state. They would be living forever in the broken identity. They would be living forever in the place of not having enough, not, able, not being able to find the redemption that God has for them. You see, they disconnected from the source of who was meant to be the life and who was meant to be the light in their lives. And so I just want to kind of look at this with an example here today. You see, in the garden, man and woman originally were connected to the tree of life. And so when they were connected to the tree of life, there was, sorry for blinding everybody in the front here. (laughs) They knew who the source was. There was no question. The God who knew them, loved them, created them, designed them, the one who had infinite power, infinite ability, infinite wisdom. Like this is, this is who they were. They were connected to the source, reflecting God in his fullness. But when they made the decision to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, well, what happened is they disconnected from the source of life. When they disconnected from the source of life, they needed to have an alternative, which in my eyes kind of looks something like this. They used to be plugged into the source of eternal power and wisdom and infinite ability. And now they've exchanged it for something that they have to work really hard at, but it doesn't actually last. And once again, the problem is that God didn't design us to stay in this place. He never designed us to be in a place of inadequacy. He designed us to reflect his glory to the world around him. So this would not do. And so he said, okay, we have to remove them from the garden so that they don't stay in this state forever because there has to be a reconnection to the source. There has to be a reconnection to that which is all-powerful and all-knowing and full of love and grace and mercy. The other problem, though, is that When they ate from this tree, the only thing that they could reproduce was more of what they had already eaten. What is inside of every piece of fruit? A seed. That seed determines what comes next, right? So when man and woman disconnected from the tree of life and they ate from this fruit, the seed was now in the the lesser, and all that would now come out of it would be the lesser. And this is why it's really important for us to then understand what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22. Paul says to the Corinthians, For as by a man came death, this was Adam, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. That's Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. We continue to read in verses 45 through 49, and this is in the Passion Translation. It says, For it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, and the last Adam, Jesus, became the life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual didn't come first. The natural precedes the spiritual. 
The first man was from the dust of the earth, but the second man is Yahweh from the realm of heaven. The first one was made from the dust and has a race of people just like him who are also made from the dust. The one who is sent from heaven has a race of heavenly people who are just like him. Once we carried the likeness of the man of the dust, now let us carry the likeness of the man of heaven. You see, the reason why, why, why God had to remove them from the garden is so that they would no longer be connected to the old source of life, continuing to reproduce that which was broken and that which was dead. Because he needed to come in the form of a man as the perfect sacrifice to reconnect us back to the way, the truth, and the life. The seed that came from that tree was never going to produce life, so we needed to be brought back to the source to recognize that there was one who came to restore us back to being in a place of right standing with him so that we could live connected to the true source once again. When we look at all of this, I have to ask the question for us, which is this. What is the fruit that we are bearing in our own lives? Genesis chapter 1 verse 11 said, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. How do we know what tree we're eating from? How do we know what our source is? We have to check the fruit. Jesus said it in Luke chapter 6, verse 43, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. As simple as this statement is, it really is so powerful because it means that we have the ability to recognize what we're connected to by looking at the fruit that is coming out of our our life, out of our actions, out of our relationships. The thing is, however, to find what is at the core, to find that which is the seed of our life, it means that we have to go through some discomfort to actually take the time to cut it open and to find out. How often do we take the time to do this? How often are we willing to go through the discomfort to look at our lives the situations that we go through and to take a look and see what's really at the root of it. I think a lot of times it's a lot easier for us as human beings, not just Christians, as human beings, to not take the time to look. And when we do take the time to look, we do exactly what Adam and Eve did. When God said, you know, did you eat from the tree? What was Adam's first response? It was the woman you gave me. What was Eve's response? It was the serpent. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. Well, maybe I did it, but it wasn't my fault. You see, it's actually the one that you gave me, God. Why did you put the serpent here, God? Like, this, was, this is not on me. And a lot of times in our lives, we're very quick to do the same thing. You see, it's much easier to blame somebody else than it is to take the sharp knife and to cut the root, to 
to cut to the source of to cut through the fruit to find the source of what's really going on. We can go through situation after situation after situation with the same results over and over and over again. And it's always because of what they did to me. If they would have said something different, then I wouldn't have responded that way. If they wouldn't have done this thing, then I wouldn't have had to do the thing that I did. They made me do it. And it's, it's funny until we recognize that it's true. Like I, I know I'm, I'm kind of younger still, but I've been in church my whole life. I've seen a lot of people go through life dealing with the same things over and over and over again and never taking the time to find out why. The same relationships are broken over and over and over again. It's just that I misunderstood. Well, well maybe there's something more to it than that. But at a certain point, we have to recognize that our responsibilities as the light bearers and the reflection of Jesus is not to make excuses. It's to find out any place in our lives that is causing us to not represent him, but to represent our brokenness, our shame, our feelings of inadequacy. The places where we've connected to a source that is not life and it's not God. It's not until we are are willing to do this that we will then truly see what's at the root, truly inviting the Holy Spirit to show us. Why is it that I keep finding myself in the same financial position? Why is it that I keep finding these broken relationships in my life? Why is it that I keep becoming frustrated with the same things over and over again? Why, why do my jobs always end the same way and, and I always find myself here in this place? Like, I can definitely, you know, do this and I can work harder. But how often are we willing to put it down and say, God, what's really going on here? What's the fruit that I've been eating? What's the tree that I've been eating from? What's at the root? What's the seed of what it is that, that I've been going through? It, it brings discomfort to do this, but it's necessary. If we're going to find health in the body of Christ, we, the church, need to be willing to do what is required of us in order to reconnect back to the source of life. Now, I know internally you're clapping right now because you're like, that's a really good point, Pastor Sam. But... No, it's too late. You guys, I, I, I get it. I know it was internal. You were processing. But when we get back to the core of it, we find so often that there's hurt and there's pain and there's trauma and there's lack. There's a place where I didn't feel like I had what I needed, so I made a judgment to something else to bring me comfort, to make me feel better. And when I found it, I saw and I perceived that it was good. It was appealing. It was desirable to make me feel a certain way or better than I felt before. It's the same criteria that Eve used when she looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we keep going back to the same thing. We keep cranking on this thing, trying to make it work, trying to make everything come together. We end up in a place of despair. We end up in a place of, of frustration and hurt and brokenness and sometimes we walk away from the church entirely because we're like it didn't work god 
You told me that if I did this thing that it would all work. And God's like, yes, this, this is the, the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But, but you keep going back to, to the thing that you think is going to bring you life instead of realizing who I am in your life. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. But we have to be in Christ, not, not in more of us. Because the old things have passed away. All things have become new through the cross and through Jesus. But we have a choice as to which tree we're going to connect to. We have a choice to make in our lives and in our situations. And, and I think sometimes, I said that very often we blame others. There are others in this room that only blame yourself and the results are the same thing. It's not someone else. It's that I'm broken. It's that I'm messed up. It's that I can't do anything good. But the result is still the same thing. It's a judgment that you're making. It's not seeing who God is as your redemption and as the grace that you need and as the restoration that you need. It's going back and it's choosing to say, well, I'm never going to be good enough. Whatever the source that is that is not God, that's the thing that we have to identify. We have to get past the excuses and get past the reason why it's someone else's fault or it's my fault. And realize that regardless of the fault, there is the man that came to the earth as a perfect and spotless lamb and took the weight of sin and shame and brokenness on his back so that by his stripes, I would be healed and made whole. You see, when we go and we look at other things and we blame other things, it's what we've been studying in Relationships 101, we become powerless people powerless people or victims are the ones that point to something else to be the thing that's going to make them happier, to make them feel better, to make their life make sense. That's what it means to be powerless. I don't have the power to do it, so I'm going to point to somebody else. And you could insert whatever that thing is in your life in the blank. But can I tell you today that you are no longer powerless people? That I am not a powerless person anymore? That through the cross, through Jesus, through his redemption, I am now powerful. Not because of what I have done, but because of what he has done. When I realize that I am actually a powerful person with the ability to choose, I am no longer a victim that is tethered to this broken identity and to what used to be. I realize that when I take the time to really find out what's really going on, well, I'm actually, I'm attached to the tree of life. This is my source. He is my source. The word of God is my source. The identity that he has given me is my source. So whatever I find in the middle of my fruit, that thing is not greater than God. And he has given me the ability to overcome those things if I would be willing to take the time to find out what they are and to reattach to the source of life. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of the perishable, but of the imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. You have been born again. It is no longer that which you are connected to. Once again, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. He has given us the ability to reconnect 
to restore that which is broken. To realize that we're not a, a light dimly shining anymore because it's our own effort, but that we are now walking in the power of what God has done in us. That we are a light that is meant to shine His light to all of the world and to bring all men to know who He is.